Uh, Father, we thank you for this time we have together. Um, we're th I'm thankful having spent time away from even uh, the good labor of preaching and pastoring uh, to be back and to have time to spend my time and energy in your good gift of work. Uh, thank you for the gift it is to all of us. I pray that this morning you would open our minds and our hearts. You would help us to see the gifting of our work as a good thing that you have provided for us, intended for our fullness and our flourishing, and intended to give you glory. So this morning, Father, I pray you'd speak through your word, make us into useful servants. For your son's name we pray. Amen. Back in the 1920s, there was a woman by the name of Annie Malone, who you might say was the queen of cosmetics. Annie has a distinction. She is the first black woman to ever become a millionaire. Uh, the peak of her powers, uh, the highest point of her business, her empire had about $200 million adjusted for today's dollars in assets. Uh, she came up with a perfect formula uh, good quality cosmetics with a strong brand and lots and lots of hard work. And the thing took off like a rocket. Uh, not only did she have these cosmetics that she made, she even had a school that trained people and how to do various beauty treatments. Now, her story, if it stopped there, would be the sort of thing that you would hear at graduation ceremonies. Uh, the, the sort of story that told you to get up and go do something with your life. Make something in this world. Find yourself full and fruitful by applying yourself. Uh, but unfortunately, that's not the end of her story. Um, because Annie had a rival. Uh, someone who managed to steal the formula to her cosmetics. And through some underhanded business dealings to actually steal her empire out from under her. Which meant she ended her life penniless mostly having lost her place in the history books. Now, my guess is most of us in the room have had a similar sort of journey when it comes to how we think about work. At one point, it seemed fruitful, fulfilling, the, the sort of thing you were excited to think about. Maybe you dreamed of being a fireman or an astronaut or a doctor, of growing up and doing something exciting that would fulfill you and make your life fruitful. But then somewhere along the way, you learn the hard reality uh, that work isn't always like that. Uh, in fact, work in this world under a curse is filled with failures and frustrations. Most of us find a way to settle into a sort of resignation that we have to work. Maybe to feed ourselves, maybe because we feel like we'll be socially backward if we don't. But few of us are great at connecting our work with our walk with Christ. We're seeing our work as both a gift from God for our good and ultimately for his glory, which is why we need God's word to guide us. And this morning we're gonna look at how God created work, work that is worth doing because we are workers made in the image of a God who works. Now, this is a topical sermon, so we won't just be spending our time in one passage. Uh, so the verses that I'm going to reference will be on the screen behind me. Um, if you have a Bible, you can flip to them. If you don't, I invite you to write them down and study them later. Uh, 
But here's the outline that we'll go through this morning. Three sections that are alliterated. Sorry, I've been away a couple weeks. I couldn't resist. Uh, The first, we will see the goodness of work. The goodness of work. Second, we will see the groaning of work. The groaning of work. And then third, we will see the glory of work. The glory of work. And in all of this, I, I hope you will become convinced that because you are made in the image of a working God, your work is worthwhile. Because you're made in the image of a working God, your work is worthwhile. Uh, Let's begin in that first section, the goodness of work. Uh, There's an idea that is sometimes expressed, sometimes it's hiding back in the recesses of our hearts and minds. Life would be better if we didn't have to work. Uh, As a kid, sometimes that comes out when you're in uh, grade school age. You wish to yourself, man, wouldn't it be great if it could be summer vacation all year long? But in fact, that is a lie. Uh, Life would not be better without work because we were made to work. And we can only be full and flourish when we work. That's what Genesis chapter 1 shows us. Uh, All the way back from the beginning, a working God making people in his image designed to work. Uh, There's a sort of rhythm to Genesis 1. God says something, it happens, he declares it good. That rhythm goes on five days in a row until it's broken in the sixth and seventh day. Uh, At that point, God's done creating the, the heavens and the earth. He's done making the birds and the fish and the animals that are on the earth, all the vegetation that's there. Uh, And then the rhythm changes as God stops and slows down and we hear more about how he created humans. Uh, Look with me in Genesis 1 verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Uh, God, in his rhythm, misses a beat intentionally to draw our attention to the creation of humanity. Male and female, he created them. He created them in his image. Unlike the rest of his creation, Humanity is meant to show us something of God's attributes and his character. Uh, There's something special that reflects back to the creator that made us. That if we pay close enough attention, we'll be able to discern. Uh, One of those things is that this working God made working people. Uh, God's creation is described as work in Genesis 2, 1 and 2. You can look that up later. And the task he gives his people is undoubtedly a kind of work. He tells them to be fruitful and multiply, that is to have offspring. And then he tells them to have dominion. Uh, That word for dominion gets filled in in chapter 2, both keeping and subduing. Uh, You might say it is to make something of this world. Uh, to cultivate it, to build upon it, to put it in order. Uh, You exercise acts of dominion every day, whether you realize it or not. 
Um, maybe you're the sort of person that really bugs you when your socks are not organized the way they should be. Uh, maybe they're not paired up or maybe they don't go in the right sort of color order. I don't know what that color order would be. I'm not that type of person. But when you take the five minutes to get down on your knees and organize that sock drawer, when it's all done, you have exercised dominion over that small realm of your socks. Now, Adam and Eve were given a task of ordering, uh, not just the small plot of the Garden of Eden. That was their first objective. But notice, they were to have dominion over all the earth. Through they and their descendants, God's original good intention was that they would bring order, cultivating, nurturing, building a world to reflect back the glory of a God who works. Now notice, this is all before sin entered the world. All before anything went wrong. And all at a time when everything was good. Which means we need to understand at the very beginning of our enterprise this morning that work is a good gift from God. Uh, work is given to us by God for our good and for his glory. Uh, by it, we find a sort of filling in our souls and even a sort of flourishing that's impossible for us to have without it. Um, our kids like uh, Pixar movies and there's one that came out years ago about a lovable little robot by the name of Wally. Uh, Wally has what looks like an impossible job. Um, he is a robot set to clean up a polluted and abandoned earth. It's filled with trash, totally devoid of humans. And Wally g spends his day from sunup to sundown going around collecting trash, compacting it into nice little neat cubes, and cleaning it up one little inch at a time. Well, as the movie progresses, you come to find out what happened to humanity. Uh, they are off in a spaceship that is one part uh, nursing home and one part amusement park. Uh, they have ceased to work because their robots do all the work for them. And as a result, their ability to work has atrophied. Uh, they have grown flabby and lost their skills and their motivation and are unable to do anything for themselves. And the more you think about it, the more you realize something major has been lost. Uh, that's because humans are made to work. Uh, Wally resonates with the truth that the Bible teaches. God gave us work as a gift, both for his glory and for our good. Uh, certainly all of us at one point or the other have felt the goodness of work. Uh, you know, that feeling of, the satisfaction you get from a job well done. Uh, sometimes it's harder to get than others. Uh, when you finish mowing your lawn, or, or you finish training your dog, or, or you finish a long set of studies that culminates in you receiving a diploma and a graduation. Whatever work enterprises we have, at some point or another, you'll get a glimpse of the goodness of work and that feeling of satisfaction. Uh, some people are able to find that feeling more easily than others. Uh, one of my heroes of the faith is um, uh, Eric Little. He was a missionary to China, uh, but before that, he was an Olympic runner. 
um, he uh, had a lot of amazing quotes. So one of them was made famous by the movie about him, Chariots of Fire. Uh, he said this, he said, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his splendor. Uh, that is the sort of feeling that sometimes you are able to achieve when, when you know that you are called to do a particular thing, and you do it, and you feel a special sort of satisfaction as a result. Now realize that that sweet spot of serving God and, and knowing that this is what you were created to do is not something that all of us find or that you'll be able to have forever. We will see in a second, we work in a fallen world. And yet you, if you look carefully enough and whatever work you do, you will see glimmers of God's goodness. You were made to work. And as you work, you'll find yourself fuller and flourishing in a way you couldn't if you did not work. Uh, if you need any proof of that, uh, we as a society had a brief experiment in everyone pausing their work for quite a while uh, during the pandemic. And the sociological tale of the tape is just starting to come in, but needless to say, it is not good for us. Now, at this point in our study, we can stop and make a few applications. We can stop and purpose in our hearts to notice the goodness of work and to give thanks to God for it. Uh, certainly those moments where you feel satisfaction for the work you do yourself. Uh, certainly when you see other people working that you benefit from, you are to realize that that is a good gift from God. A, a, a gift given so that he would be glorified, but also for our good. I was thinking about this as I was driving on my way over to church this morning. Uh, my route to and from church has been interrupted multiple times over the last few years by something very inconvenient, construction. Um, I used to hop on the highway and be here in seven minutes, but uh, I'm told that they're doing some important construction work, so I can't get on the highway and go that direction anymore. So I've got to do surface streets. Uh, only the most direct surface street also decided to be closed at the same time, and I'm told at least another year on it, so I have to go another direction. And uh, the other day I was driving that other direction and came across an accident, and there were some flashing lights and some very important policemen there telling me I had to go yet a different direction in order to make my way to work. Now in those moments, I have to tell you at first, I was not all that filled with joy and feeling like I was flourishing. But the more I thought about it, the more I've realized that is actually something to thank God for. Uh, one day that highway will be completed because lots and lots of people used heavy machinery and materials. So there will be a road that goes straight and flat to get people from point A to point B at high speeds, sometimes too high speeds. Uh, the fact that I wasn't able to go down that road the other day because there was an accident there, was actually a good gift. Those police officers were doing a good thing, keeping me safe, keeping others behind me safe from driving to our peril without realizing it. Uh, if you have eyes to see it, your whole week, Monday through Friday, with Saturday and Sunday thrown in, is filled with examples of how God's good gift of work is benefiting you 
and even all the people around you in this world. So I challenge you to do this this week. Take a moment and be grateful for that gift. Spot something that was a result of that good gift of work and thank God for it. Uh, because, as we'll find out in a second, that it's not all roses when it comes to work. Uh, work, in fact, is filled with many frustrations and failures. And that's what we see in our second point, the groaning of work, the groaning of work. Now, every job has its pains to it. Uh, some of them are more acute than others. I was once leading a Bible study when in walked a young man who worked a construction job, and he had on his hand a very bulky, very prominent bandage. I asked him what had happened. He told me he had been using a nail gun on the job site and put his hand behind a board where it should not be as he put the nail gun where it was supposed to be which resulted in a nail going somewhere it never should be. Now, thankfully, it did not result in lasting bodily injury to him. He was able to get medical attention and continue working. Uh, but every line of work has some sort of thing that will make us groan, uh, whether that's a bodily injury, major, of a major kind, or minor aches and pains like uh, sore feet, uh, or it's the difficulties of overbearing bosses and nosy co workers, or Excel spreadsheets that just won't seem to add up. Every line of work, no matter what it is that you do, you will not be, it won't be that hard to convince you that work in this world is filled with failures and frustrations. Now, now why is that? Well, it's because of Genesis chapter 3. Uh, we're not told how long Adam and Eve spent working in that vocation that God gave them. Uh, their calling to keep and tend the garden and even the whole earth was at some point interrupted by the very first workplace incident of all, of all time, uh, that first sin that occurred. Uh, God had given them only one prohibition, don't eat from this one tree, which of course is the very thing that they did. And in so doing, they broke everything. Uh, they broke their relationship with God. Uh, they broke their, their very bodies. Uh, they broke the world that they lived in. And by extension, they broke their work as well. Everything came under what is called the curse. We'll read a small portion of that. Genesis 3, 17 through 19. This is God speaking at this point. And to Adam, he said, uh, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree, which I've commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. And in pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles that shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Uh, as a result of that first sin, a curse came over all humanity and the world we live in, and yes, our work. 
uh, Adam and all of his sons that came after him, uh, they would no longer easily feed themselves and their families. They would pour blood, sweat, and tears in the ground and, and get just morsels to eat in return. Uh, Eve's daughters, their work would also be subjected to futility. There would be great pains in childbirth, groanings and moanings, all just so that another generation could live for a time. And, and at the end of it all, they would all return to dust of the ground. Uh, this is the effect of sin, rebelling against the creator God that made us and gave us this good intention of work. And as a result of it, we should not be shocked when our work in this world, even as Christians, is filled with frustrations and failures. Unfortunately, there are many preachers, the day we live, that try to sell you a bill of goods, usually for their own benefit, that tell you the exact opposite. Uh, they tell you your work can be blessed by God. You can have every day be a Friday. It'll be, it'll be like a never-ending string of promotions if you'll just send in a generous gift to their ministries. But friend, if you know your Bible well, or even if you're just paying attention to the world, you know that's not the case. And in fact, God has expressly told us it's not the case, very explicitly. I'll point your attention to one spot where this comes out. This is Romans chapter 8, 22 and 23. Romans 8, 22 and 23. Uh, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Uh, we live at a time that is, yes, filled with the grace of God, but also filled with much groaning. Uh, we ourselves are broken. The world we live in is broken. And that means even the worthwhile labors we do are broken. Uh, there are frustrations and failures aplenty. Uh, there are bosses that feel like they're trying to beat us down. Uh, there are business ventures that turn out to be half-baked and make everything into a mess. There are dreams that turn out to be nightmares. Uh, no matter what career or vocation or type of work you do, sooner or later you'll find yourself letting out a moan. Now what do you do in that moment? Uh, one thing you should do is to realize that this is expected. This is exactly what God told us would happen. And that this isn't going to go on forever because God told us what's going to happen next. You know, there, people dread Mondays. You, I think you can draw a straight line between our dread for Mondays and that first workplace incident from Adam. So let's say you find your way to your office or your place of work and it's turning out to be not such a good day. It was cloudy on the way in. Your coffee's cold as you sit down. Nothing seems to be going right. And you feel yourself beginning to grumble and groan. In that moment, stop and remind yourself, I work in a cursed world. Uh, not only do I work in a cursed world, all the people I work with work in a cursed world. Uh, not only do we all work in a cursed world, all of us 
work under a curse ourselves. Uh, Work in this place is going to be difficult and toilsome. And at times it'll be filled with frustrations and failures. Uh, But it is actually the grace of God that allows, despite all that, that we can scratch out a living. And as we'll see in a second, that we can even find worth in our work. So brothers and sisters, don't set your expectations in the wrong place. Remember the reality of the groaning of your work, which will make all the sweeter what comes next, our third and final point, the glory of work. The glory of work. Uh, God has intended for all of our work to bring him glory. As a Christian, you can thank God for the work anyone does, as a Christian or not, thanks to his common grace. But as someone who is redeemed by the special grace of Jesus, you have even more reason to thank God for your work. Because your labor is not in vain if it's labor done in the Lord. I want to draw your attention to two verses. Uh, First Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 through 24. Paul is talking here to Slaves, uh, different than our uh, history of slavery here in the United States, but still a form of servitude. And he tells them, uh, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ quickest way that you can transform the way you work is to see your work as a calling from Jesus. Uh, Why is Jesus able to do this? Well, it's because of the work he accomplished that you never could. Uh, You see, Jesus was someone who worked. Um, uh, Pastor Tommy Nelson uh, said, it's true that Jesus is more than a carpenter, But it's also true he wasn't less than one. If you think about Jesus' life, the vast majority of it was not spent walking around as an itinerant preacher, living out his calling as Messiah. Uh, The first decade or more of his working life was spent as a humble carpenter. And that was part of God's good intention for Jesus, part of his perfect plan of obedience for him, and indeed, by extension, Part of his plan of redemption for all of us. Uh, Jesus always worked perfectly. Uh, He always did his father's will. Top to bottom without any sin or effect of the curse. Jesus was able to live totally and fully for the face of God. Uh, Jesus did that as a carpenter. And then one day Jesus did that as a preacher. And then finally, Jesus did that as the sacrificial lamb that was slain. Uh, When Jesus hung on the cross, allowing himself to be killed, and said those words, words, it is finished, he sealed the deal in the redemption of our work. Uh, His work paid for each and every one of the sins of everyone who believes in him. And in his resurrection from the dead, The hope that redeems our work sprouted forth from the grave. Uh, You see, brothers and sisters, if you are a Christian, 
Uh, you serve Lord Jesus in all that you do. Uh, you do it with his grace enabling you to work. And you do it for his approval. You do it before his face. Uh, when you serve Jesus in this way, you can see anything that you do in life. Any legitimate thing that's not a sin or some moral trespass. Any type of work as a calling from Christ. Would that change the way you experience your Monday through Friday? Uh, the vast majority of us, we spend most of our week doing work outside the church. Uh, that's not wrong. Uh, God has providentially ordered your life in such a way that that is what's expected of most of us. And yet we could serve Christ in what we do. Knowing that he gave us this work for our good and his glory. So that we would be full and fruitful. And even expand that fruitfulness into the world. Uh, one other text for you. 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, the whole chapter, vast majority of it, is about the resurrection. Uh, what it'll be like when our glorious bodies, free from the curse and sin, are here. What it'll be like when we live in a resurrected world with no more pains and groaning and moaning. It's pointed out to me by someone that the chapter ends in a very unusual place at first glance. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Catch what Paul's saying there. Uh, one day, you won't be the person you are. Uh, one day, you'll not be under a curse yourself. You'll not live in a world under a curse. One day you'll work, but you'll work free from failure and futility. You'll work in a way that's always fulfilling and fruitful. And in light of the glory of how you will one day glorify God that day, right now you can work and your labor is not in vain. Uh, your work right now in service to Christ is worth it worthwhile. It's worth doing. It is work that glorifies God and brings good to others and even does good for you in your soul. So don't just see yourself as someone who works a nine to five and does a job. See yourself as someone who serves Christ in all that you do. Uh, there's deep roots of this back in uh, church history on this point. The Protestant Reformation, one of the wonderful things it recovered is this idea of the priesthood of all believers. That we don't need special priests to go and minister before us on, on our behalf because we have the Holy, by the Holy Spirit, Jesus with us, ushering us into the very throne room of God. As a part of that priesthood of all believers, everything we do is an act of service to God. This is Martin Luther. He thought, said that both princes and tailors, if they are Christians, should understand themselves as servants of Christ. Uh, the prince should think this way. Christ has served me and made everything for me to follow him. Therefore, I should also serve my neighbor. Protect him and everything that belongs to him. That is why God has given me this office. Same way, 
true for the shoemaker, the tailor, the scribe, or the reader. If he is a Christian tailor, he will say, I make these clothes because God has bidden me to do so, so that I can earn a living and so that I can help and serve my neighbor. Brothers and sisters, no matter what you do, if you do it by his grace and you do it before his face, you are serving your Lord Jesus. And that means your work has worth to it. Uh, one of the ways you can see this express itself is the way sometimes people talk about what they do in comparison to things that are perceived as more directly serving God in vocational ministry. I was in, in Florida and catching up with friends and uh, at church one Sunday, I happened to ask a friend what he was up to these days. Uh, he knew I was a pastor and excited about ministry, so he started off with, well, I'm helping to plant a church and I'm serving in that church plant in this role and that role. And then he dropped in at the very end, oh, and I'm also working an office job. And I thought to myself, well, I'm so thankful he's doing that work in the church of church planting. Praise God for it. But I also wish that he would see his service in that office job as work done unto the Lord, a way of glorifying God and working for the good of others and for his own good in service to Jesus. So brothers and sisters, can you help me on this point? As we talk to each other after services are over, as we talk about what we do in our Monday to Friday everyday work, as we talk about our jobs, the ones we love, the ones we aren't so excited about, uh, let's help each other to see them the way Christ intends for us to see them. Uh, if this is honest, hard work done in his name, then it is worthwhile work. It is work that glorifies him and is, produces good for us and others. Uh, let's help each other to see all that we do as part of our service to Christ. Uh, now, I know there are challenges to this. Uh, different seasons of life bring with it different ways you can work. Uh, maybe right now you are retired. Uh, you have ceased from that Monday to Friday regular type of going to an office or having a vocation that most people would call a career. Uh, realize that Christ's calling to you is not over. Whatever sort of work you do, whether you get paid or not, it is a way of serving Christ and serving others and even bringing benefit to your own soul. Whatever you do, pour yourself into it and ask God for the grace to do it well on it for his sake. Uh, students, sometimes you have a sort of paralyzing thought. If I don't pick the right career, I'm never going to please God. I'm never going to have a happy life. Um, let me just dispel that thought from your head right now. It may well be true that there is something that you will be better suited for, that you will discover. But you can glorify God and do good for yourself and others, doing any sort of legitimate work. Now, with that said, my advice to you would be to try several things. Ask yourself, what am I good at? Uh, what opportunities are available to me? Do I have an opening at a business that might give me a, a starter sort of job to try it out? Uh, maybe I could take some courses to see if this line of work might be better for me than the one I'm in. Uh, as you ask around, you'll find many, many people in this day and age, uh, they switch careers multiple times. And that's all fine and good. So long as whatever you are doing, forever long you do it, 
You do it for the glory of God and the good of others. Now, in all of this, I will have one final thing about our work. I'll say that in my experience, because of the groaning, inevitable that's in work in this fallen world, oftentimes Christians lack joy when they work. Uh, One of the things that is most beautiful is when you see someone doing a job and doing it with a radiating joy that comes from the heart, uh, knowing that they are working by Christ's grace and before his face, that their work has worth because it's given to them by Jesus. Uh, While I was in Florida, I got to spend some time with one of my heroes of the faith. I've learned lots about what it is to walk with Jesus from this guy. Um, But he's not someone with a seminary degree. He's never served as a pastor. Uh, He loves his church. He served as a deacon for a long time. But he spends the vast majority of his week doing something else. He's a gardener. Um, He's from Haiti. Uh, You'll see him outside under the hot, wearying Florida sun, trimming trees and bushes, planting various plants. Uh, My dad was telling me about the way that he was uh, working to try and keep raccoons from destroying this one particular tree. And in everything he does, he does it with joy. I I actually sat down and had lunch with him. And I asked him, uh, would you tell me how, how is it that you think about your work? And he told me, I think of everything I do as being with Jesus and doing it for Jesus. Brothers and sisters, don't you want to have that sort of attitude about your work? Uh, Whether you're someone that stays at home with your kids, or someone who goes to the office Monday through Friday, whatever you do, work with the knowledge that your work has worth. Because you're made in the image of a good God. A God who has given you work for your good and his glory. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your good gift to us of work. Uh, We thank you for the way that you allow us to use the gifts and abilities and experiences we have, and even for a season, to do a particular thing, uh, to do it knowing that you are watching and that you want us to work out of the grace that you provide. Uh, Jesus, would you make us into the sort of church that's grateful for the way others serve us and eager to serve others, even in the way that we work, not just on Sundays, but the rest of the week as well. Uh, Would we do everything from a heart that's full, knowing that we have been redeemed and our work is not in vain if it's in the Lord. Uh, Thank you for this calling you've placed upon us. Uh, We now continue our worship in song with hearts that are made full for all that we've received. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.